Welcome, everyone. Hello, hello. I'm feeling feisty. Never a good thing when I'm feeling feisty. You never know what you're going to get. Pierce Morgan versus Andrew Tate. Did, did you guys catch that interview? It was fascinating. So I originally saw a little clip of it that came out. And uh, then I watched the whole thing. Was juicy. I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to break down some of the stuff in this interview. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about authority and responsibility. We're going to talk about misogyny, feminism, depression, uh, offending people. All of that is on the table for today. And before we dig into that, I want to talk a little bit just about Pierce Morgan. So, you know, Pierce Morgan used to have a CNN show. I actually remember sitting in the green room a couple of times to go on that show. It got, I got bumped both times. Uh, for once for breaking news and once I believe for something happened with another guest that was kind of crazy. Regardless, uh, I thought it would be interesting before we dig into the interview to just pull up some of my favorite Pierce Morgan tweets that I thoroughly enjoy. It's just a sample, um, but let's take a look at some of them. Tyler, just pull up whatever you whatever you'd like. Actually, here we go. Love the idea of a COVID vaccine passport for everywhere. Flights, restaurants, clubs, football, gyms, shops. It's time COVID-denying anti-vaxxer loonies had their bullshit bluff called and bar themselves from going anywhere that responsible citizens go. Real freedom fighter there, Pierce Morgan. Real, real freedom fighter. Okay, let's look at the next one. Let's see. Imagine being scared of having a safe, well-regulated, four-second vaccine shot when previous generations braved gunshots for years on end to save us all from tyranny. Anti-vaxxers really are a bunch of spineless pussies. So, a couple comments on this one. First of all, I'd be interested to see how Pierce feels about the data now on uh, safe and what exactly well-regulated means. What does well-regulated mean? Does that mean that big pharma holds hands with big government? End of story. Does that mean that you have liability protection? so that people can't sue you and you won't release stuff without liability protection? I'm just asking. I'm just asking, just curious. Well, it's a, it's a shot at the Second Amendment. Mm. A well-regulated militia, a well-regulated vaccine. There you go. It's his shot, it's his subtle blow, bri- uh, uh, blow at the Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. And then he mentions tyranny, as if it's not tyranny to mandate that people get an experimental injection, even if their own doctors say otherwise. Interesting. Also, I will remind you, whenever you name call in a discussion, a tweet, anything, whenever you start throwing, that means you've got nothing better to say. So name calling is always a bad idea. Um, So spineless pussies, that's not the direction I would have taken the conversation, but to each his own. You mentioned the Second Amendment, Tyler. Let's take a look at some more tweets. Huh. The only civilians who need an AR-15 assault rifle are those who want to commit mass murder. That's what they do, killing machines. So assault rifle is a political term. We know that. Um, actually, AR-15s, if you know about the guns, are actually used for a lot of things. They're used for home defense. They're used for self-defense. In fact, they're used for self-defense a lot of times by women because of the way that you can make it kind of lighter. And apparently, I don't know a lot about AR-15s. Tyler, you might be able to help me with this. But what I'm told is that there's less of a kickback. So for women, it's actually an easier gun to manage for self-defense than other guns. Is that accurate? an accurate description? Yes. Okay. And um, just for the record, uh, uh, let's see, between 1982 and July 2022, number of weapons used in mass shootings, handguns, 148, rifles, 61. Go figure the vast majority majority of mass shootings and mass killings are done with handguns. There you go. And of course, that gets to the bigger issue that they really don't want to just ban AR for, AR-15s. They want to ban, ban guns, right? They just, let, let's get to it. Let's be honest. Okay. So, and then final one that I pulled. This is just my favorites. What will it take to change America's gun culture? These massacres can't just go on and on with nothing being done to stop them shortly. So again, we've had these conversations. What does gun culture mean anyway? People who value the Second Amendment, people who want to be able to legally and lawfully obtain a gun to protect themselves and their families. Yes, that part that is part of American culture, and it will remain so because our Constitution guarantees so. Also, we've talked about gun-free zones and how criminals target gun-free zones and how criminals don't obey laws. So that's just, we're not going to have a political discussion today. But the reason I brought these up is because I actually thought it was an interesting decision for Andrew Tate, who is someone who talks a lot about self-defense, 
who is talking a lot about freedom and personal responsibility and building your own life to sit down with Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan's completely entitled to his view on everything, uh, but I think it does speak to a desire on the part of Tate to have discussions with people that he doesn't agree with necessarily. I don't know how much research he did into Pierce Morgan, but it does kind of inform the questioning, right? When I show up somewhere and I'm going to ask you questions, people will often look at a little bit of what I do, where I stand on issues, does that inform the way I interview? It's just a reasonable thing to do. So that that's that highlights just a little bit about Pierce Morgan and what he believes. Okay. So, Andrew Tate decided to do this interview in person. He flew over there to Pierce Morgan, and it's an in-person interview, which is always the best kind. And I chose some aspects of this interview that stuck out to me. We're going to play them. I'm going to react. Let's start with authority and responsibility, which is a topic that has been talked about a lot because some of those short clips on TikToks of Andrew Tate's got pulled out, and he claims they were taken out of context. There's a lot of discussion that's been around that. So let's go to 1756, Tyler, and let's have a listen. Pierce, if a woman comes to me and says, I want you to keep me safe, she is handing me authority for her safety. But do you understand the difference between having authority over somebody and somebody giving you permission to have authority. Completely. I never said One I, is consensual and one isn't. But why are we pretending I do unconsensual things? Because you no literally say, I must have a degree of authority. I have to have some authority. And the point about Only if this, I'm responsible for her safety. If I'm not responsible for her safety, position, I don't have authority. If your position now is that with her permission, I would like to have authority when we go out at night to protect her, that's a different That was thing. always my position. But that's not what you said. But that was always my position. So, so again, I simply say to you, do you... It do you is what I said, though. Do you wish you'd phrase it a different way? No, because we're talking about long format copy where I'm talking about a woman okay. who's come to me and said you're... So here's the disconnect, and this will happen throughout the interview, and I think that with Tate on this issue, this has happened a lot. People hear the authority, regardless as to whether you agree with it or not, people hear the authority and responsibility argument, and they assume that he's talking about something oppressive, that he's talking about something that's not consensual and that he's saying essentially, I am going to have authority over women, meaning I'm gonna bar the door shut, I'm gonna make all the decisions and that's what that means by authority. That's, that's not what he's saying. What he's talking about are paradigms that exist where men and women get into relationships and women defer some of that authority to men because they expect men to protect them and to take care of them. For example, a woman enters a relationship and says, listen, I expect you to provide. I expect you to put a roof over my head. I expect you to pay the bills. I expect you to, to physically protect me and to learn how to use a firearm and to know your self-defense and if there's an intruder to protect me and our children. And in turn, I am going to defer some authority on something. So if the guy then turns around and says, okay, well then I don't want you walking around you know, this neighborhood at night that's dangerous because I'm given the responsibility to protect you and I can't do that if you're doing that. That woman then decides, okay, cool. That's what he's talking about. Now, you don't have to like that dynamic for yourself if you're a female and you're listening. You don't have to like that dynamic for yourself if you're a male. But what we are talking about here is a consensual decision. And that word, authority, reads as oppressive to people who can't relate to a dynamic like that being appealing to them. So this becomes an emotional reaction to the argument. Instead of just saying that's not a dynamic that would interest me, they, they, they don't do that. They, they label it as oppressive because that's how the modern world has labeled that. In the same way you'll hear a lot of religious people, by the way, talk about the man of the house. There's a biblical interpretation of the man of the house and what that means. That's not relatable to people in 2022 in large part. They can't understand it. It's like it's a sign of oppression. Just keep in mind, though, he's saying this is by choice. This is elective. This is not oppressive by Andrew Tate's definition of what he meant. Okay, let's go to 1913. Poor Tyler. Understand would fully. you tell an 18-year-old boy you don't have authority over women? Absolutely. Uh, you would unless, say that? Unless a woman comes to him and says, you're responsible for my safety, please make sure keep me safe. Like well, my see, woman now says, that, Andrew Tate, I can sign up to. Well, then we agree. Yeah, but 
I don't agree with what you said before. Because you're taking a soundbite from a two-hour Yeah, but you haven't been taken out of context because I read you the entire sentence. It's very... Well, you've ignored all the context around the sentence, my friend. Okay. So, again, we get back to this conversation about what's going on on YouTube, what's going on on TikTok. We, unfortunately, live in a world where this stuff's going to get chopped up. There are times when I, myself, on my own show, on this platform... We have a team that cuts, you know, shorts and short clips where a short will be cut. And I'll say on my own, I'll say, you know what? We need a little bit of context before or a little bit of context after. So we add it in. We add it in because we want to provide that. Someone else isn't going to give me the benefit of the doubt. They're going to chop up something I say here. It would be very easy to come in to this show, particularly because I say a lot of stuff that's, I push the envelope to come in here and chop stuff up. This is a reality of the world that we're living in right now. It's not just happening to Andrew Tate, it's happening to everybody. So we need to evaluate that and recognize this is how people make money with these little sound bites and that's where we are. So he's not gonna, even if he had caveated some of the stuff we're gonna talk about today, even if he had said, you know, I wanna be clear, this is not an oppressive structure, I can guarantee you someone would've chopped that out because it, it, it would ruin the clip for them. They want outrage, they want you mad, they want you fired up, that's the whole goal. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button for this video as we go through this. So they are chopping this stuff up and I think that's just an acknowledgement that we need. He's had this conversation multiple times about this, so let's just absorb that. Everybody who's made content and had somebody else chop it up knows, okay, I've been there, we get it. All right, now the, the conversation gets a little bit heated here on, and it goes on for a very long time, on 19-year-olds versus 25-year-olds and some comments that Tate has made in the past. This gets dissected. Pierce seems to have taken particular offense to this. So let's talk about it. Well, I'm asking, you said this. In general, this is also one of the reasons men find youth attractive. You want to blow up the internet? I'll blow up the internet right effing now. The reason 18 and 19-year-olds are more attractive than 25-year-olds is because they've been through less dick. People say, oh, you can't say that, but yes, I can. A 19-year-old is more attractive than a 26-year-old woman, and I'll tell you why. Because that 26-year-old has talked to more guys, been to the club more times, been effed and dumped more times, more arguments, more mess, more for me to clean up. That is misogyny. Why? Because you are encouraging a mindset about 25-year-old women that makes them sound out to be infinitely less desirable than 18, 19-year-olds and having effectively been having too much sex to be taken in a more respectful way. That would, well, firstly, even if that was the case, that wouldn't be misogyny. But right? what did you mean by what you said? That's not misogyny because it's not anti-women. I'm, I'm saying that an 18 or a 19-year-old woman would be more desirable. It's pretty anti-25-year-old woman. Anti-25-year-old woman, we can argue, but not misogyny. Well, that's misogyny. Well, that's, then, that's, no, 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 it's not. Well, being anti-any woman at all okay. is misogyny. Not so again... I love these words that get thrown, misogyny, that get thrown out. So let's just get a definition of misogyny. Misogyny, dislike of, contempt for, or ingrained prejudice against women. Okay, so what he said is not misogyny. Now, he fell into a little bit of a trap there because Pierce Morgan is doing what cable news anchors do all the time. And I will remind you that cable news and network TV segments often don't exist to have a conversation. They exist because they, for two reasons. Either they want you backed into a corner so that people hate you, or they want light to shine on you like you're the second coming so that people will love you, okay? It's not about a give and take. That's not why the medium exists. That's not how they make their money either, having worked in it for quite a bit of time. So that's not misogyny, what he's saying. So let's talk about the 20, this has been a huge issue, this comment that Andrew Tate made about 19-year-olds versus 25 or 26-year-olds. Now, this is not going to apply to every case, right? I've been very open about my past. At 25, I think I had two, had two partners. So maybe that wouldn't have applied to me. I would be an outlier in that case. But odds are, if you're being honest with yourself as a human being out in the world, odds are, in the majority of cases, a 25 or 26-year-old woman will have had more sexual experiences than a 19-year-old in general, just by virtue of being alive more. Not every case, not every person, but they've been alive more. So odds are they've had more sex. Odds are they've been with more men. Odds are they've had more heartbreak. Odds are they've had more letdowns because relationships, as we all know, sometimes can suck. There's ups and downs in that, in that universe. So what he's saying is largely accurate. Now, why is that less appealing to a man? Well, isn't this obvious? This is obvious. First of all, I think, you know, 
it is just a reality that men do appreciate a woman who's been more selective with her body because that sends a message that you respect yourself, that you care about your body, you have, you know, my body is my temple type of attitude. That is more appealing to guys. I don't care if you like it or not. That is the truth. So who cares? It's the truth. Great. Okay. Reality. Also, when you've been through heartbreak, let's just acknowledge every single one of us has been through a bad relationship, been through heartbreak. The more times you experience that, the more of a dent it puts in you to be able to do your next relationship, right? Think about yourself. You've, if you've had one bad relationship, you come back, you're like, all right, I'm back. Have that happen four or five times and now you're more distrustful of men. You have some bad things that have been said and done for you. You have the, a little bit of scarring. You have some bruising. That may not be your fault at all, but it is a reality. So that that next guy that comes into the scene has to face a few obstacles that he may not have had if you hadn't been treated badly in former relationships or had things go down badly or something happened. This is just factual information. So you can say that the way that he said it rubs you wrong or you don't like his delivery, fine, fine, who cares? But the reality is that women who have been less promiscuous, who have been, who have dated less guys, who have been more selective and who have less damage as a result of failed relationships are going to be more appealing. Now, does this offend someone who's sitting there and 25 years old and was had a very promiscuous trial, you know, years before that and slept with a bunch of guys and, you know, is damaged so now has a little bit of man hatred? Sure. Who cares? Who cares? It's his opinion. And guess what? That doesn't mean that that 25-year-old isn't going to find love or isn't going to find happiness and maybe we'll find a guy who doesn't care at all. This is one man's opinion. Why are you so affected by it? Is he not allowed to have his opinion? Honestly, what a nation of babies. What a bunch of babies that can't just listen to this guy have an opinion anymore without losing their minds. Also, some truths are not easy to swallow. They're not. They're not easy. I was talking this morning, I was on PPD podcast, we were talking about voting, and I said female voters tend to be emotional voters. They do. They do. That's why they were triggered by Trump. That's why they get triggered sometimes by these, you know, hot button emotional issues. That's a reality. Now, I could choose to ignore that and not talk about how Democrat voters oftentimes target suburban moms because they utilize emotion, or I could be realistic and I can have that conversation and figure out what to do about it. So again, <laughs> it's time for truth, right? A lot of what he's saying here too. Now, do I think he could have caveated that and said, well, not all 25-year-old women. Some 25-year-old women may be a virgin. Some 25-year-old women may have slept with one partner. They're going to be, they, they weren't promiscuous. They are selective. They don't have the damage and they'll be very appealing and high value. Of course, he could have, he could have caveated that if that's more true to how he feels. But we're talking about little clips that exist on the internet. I don't know everything he said before that clip or everything he said after, but he's telling you now what he's got to say. So it's amazing to me that people get so unbelievably upset with somebody else's opinion. I mean, honestly, first world problems sometimes. Okay, let's go to 3024, Tyler. You're jumping on me now. Oh, am I? That's okay. What would you now say you don't believe? I believe that 25-year-old women perhaps have had, because they've been alive longer, maybe have had more partners, but I don't believe that makes them a bad person. Right. But you understand that the way you phrased it makes every 25-year-old woman I understand. feel a bad person. Uh, no, I don't think so. Of I course you do. Not stupid, Dad. Come on. Piers. Angie, you're not stupid. You know what that sounds like to any 25, 26 year old woman. Completely. And you're. Right? So you have maligned every 25, 26 year old woman with that statement. And I'm simply asking you to all those who are not of the type of women that you've described it, are you sorry? I don't want anybody to be offended by anything I say. I want to be a positive force in the world. I don't want anybody to hear what I say and make them feel bad about themselves. Mm. I want all people to live righteous and good, whether they're okay, male or so female. Okay, so do you realize how ridiculous this is? This guy goes on a show. He's got to now apologize to all the 25-year-olds that may have been offended. Honestly, 25-year-old women, if you're offended, like, woman up, honestly. Woman up. Who cares what he thinks, honestly? Are you so fragile? Are you so fragile that this guy's opinion that you don't like somehow depletes you instantly? This is utterly ridiculous. Now, let's analyze the content of what was said. He's not saying that they're a bad person. He's saying that some aspects of their life may make them less desirable to men. I didn't hear bad person in there. 
I didn't hear any of that. In his opinion. In his opinion. Okay. <sighs> and again, Pierce Morgan's like, well, you know, you've maligned 25. No, you haven't maligned. <laughs> you know who's pissed at this clip? This original clip? I'm going to tell you straight up who's pissed. Who's pissed are, if you're a 26-year-old woman sitting at home, you were promiscuous, you slept around, you didn't, you didn't really care about, you know, who, who you did what with. You weren't saving yourself for anything. You went through a bunch of relationships. You stayed too long. You got some damage here and there. And now you've got some sort of complex that you, you know, don't trust men. Or you, you, you heard this and you were like, he's talking about me. And you got offended. That's who, that's who got offended. Okay. You're entitled to get offended. But really? Really? Why not just say, hey, this is that same 25-year-old woman could be a grown-ass woman and say, okay, I made some choices that I wouldn't make again. And I, I'm not going to let my past relationships negatively impact me. And honestly, I don't, I don't buy what he's selling. I think I am high value and go out there and you can go do what you want to do. You don't have to be, oh, he got prickly with me and now I'm going to cry about it. Oh. But can you imagine a host asking this guy to apologize? Apologize. To all. That's like being like, Jed, you got to apologize to all those Democrats that you hurt their feelings the other day. You could be waiting for that apology for a long time. It ain't going to come ridiculous everybody needs to get a backbone in life get a backbone understand not everybody's going to see the world the way that you do not everybody is going to handle you like a little overgrown baby take the pacifier out take the diaper off put some pull-ups on at least have some self-respect and realize there's going to be people in this world who see the world differently from you and that's okay stand up for what you believe in stand up for yourself and be okay with dissent we now live in a world where everyone's trying to squash the dissent. Oh, silence him. He made me feel bad. Grow up. Grow up. Honestly. A couple super chats real quick. Yeah. Uh, Soldier for Christ, $10, says, Piers is confusing authority and tyranny. All authority is voluntary, and it becomes tyranny when it's involuntary, whether it's your boss, husband, or the government, by the will of, quote, we the people. And uh, there was one more. KS gave five bucks, said it's possible that someone can be heard and not understood. That's exactly right. And I thought it's interesting. That's why I showed you the, um, in the beginning, I showed you the uh, tweets. Because Piers Morgan, interestingly enough, endorses tyranny in some cases. And now has confused authority and tyranny. It's very challenging. You have to understand that. People have grown up in this world now, this, this hyper-feminized world where magazines and television tells you that a marriage where the man is the man of the house and a woman wants that is bad for women. You have to shun that and that somehow that woman is upset about it. She really is being held captive against her will. She just doesn't know it. Again, they infantilize women. Instead of just acknowledging that some women like that dynamic they're not being oppressed they're choosing to stay at home they're choosing to have the the guy in their life have a, a more authoritative position on decision making and that's what they want instead of looking at it like that and saying oh this is a mutual decision and a mutual choice that's being made by two adults they can't help but see things through the lens of oppression because that's what media and society in 2022 has told them and I have a real problem with that because I fight for people's freedom to live the life they want. So you don't have to like it. And guess what? You don't like what Andrew Tate's saying. I have some great news for you. You don't have to date him. He probably doesn't want to date you. So he, you don't have to date him. End of story. You don't like that dynamic. You see a friend of yours living with authority, responsibility. You don't like it. That's awesome. Find a guy who doesn't see the world that way. You don't have to live that way. But why does it bother you so much that somebody else would willingly as an adult, choose to live that way. That tells me you're uncomfortable with your own dynamic or you're somehow threatened by that dynamic. Why? Why? Ask these people, what's so threatening to you? Why? Freedom is threatening to some people. Freedom and the ability to choose your own life and your own path is threatening to some people. Tyler, what did I skip? Did I skip 2851? Yes. Okay, let's go back to that. I want to just, I want to do that one. Listen, I have to make Tyler work. He works hard for his money. Do, 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 do. Okay. You're like, Chad, I didn't come here for the singing. I did not come here for the singing. All right, 28. Let's go back. Because this went on for a while. So what do you think the difference is? I think the difference is age. What's the difference then? Well, then a 26-year-old's older than a 19-year-old. And so you stand by what you said about talking to the guys, being to the club more times, being left to dump more times. Well, do you I, believe that or not? No, there's plenty of 26-year-old women who have been with one man or, or virgins, right. of course. So you don't believe that? 
I don't think that the age is the only thing that's going to decipher well, how many men or women... Right, so if you don't actually believe what you said, just say sorry. It's not about not believing what I'm saying. It's about you understanding that there's large conversations going on. I'm just reading project. back stuff you've said. I know you I'm are. asking you, do you believe it? I believe that it's more likely a 26-year-old's had more partners than a 19-year-old. Right. You don't know that. I don't know that. You're right. In fact, like, there could be absolutely no evidence for that whatsoever. Completely agree. He's so saying say he believes it's more likely. Don't you think that's a fair assumption? Now... It could be wrong. And again, I'm using myself as an example, right? You could be wrong. At 35, I had had less partners than most 20-year-olds I knew because the times had changed and promiscuity amongst women had become a lot more popular. And I come from a different era and things were different and I made different decisions. But that doesn't mean that the trend isn't still valid. It's utterly ridiculous to take issue with that point. Of course. 26-year-old women as opposed to 19-year-old women, girls, but I would still call them women and above 18, have probably been around more guys. Come on. You're really going to nitpick? This point went on and on and on. So much so that I started to wonder, what is Pierce got some sort of odd thing going on? What is he so bothered by here? And what he's bothered by is the idea that you would hurt someone's feelings. Because in 2022, we all have to walk on eggshells. We all have to walk on little eggshells for fear that we're going to hurt someone's feelings. So he's worried that 25-year-old women out there got their feelings hurt. And I'm saying, 25-year-old women, woman up. I don't care you got your feelings hurt. I don't care. You should be fully able to listen to this, agree with it, disagree with it, take your own position, stand your own ground, you know, end of story. End of story. Crying about it and trying to censor someone is not an acceptable option for a grown, free-thinking adult. It's just not. Okay. Now we have to make Tyler go back to work. All right. So let's go to... 45. Yeah, and this continues, by the way. Now we go back to part two on responsibility and authority, which really got under a lot of skin. So let's hear this part. You have authority to stop Okay, that. but as a couple... If we're going to sit there and decide if we're going to take this... You asked me, Douglas, would I feel a sense of responsibility for our safety? Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. So, so would let I me finish, Piers. power or authority to stop her doing it? No. No, of course not. So let me finish, Piers. You're not going to stop her walking out the hotel. Of course, it's her decision. She's a sovereign individual. Mm. My point is that usually in a couple, people have... You'd sit there as a team and you discuss. And perhaps on certain issues... The woman will know more about X and she'll decide X and the man might know more about Y and he'll decide mm. Y. So I'm saying if we're as a couple and we're sitting there and deciding as a couple, as a team, and she says she wants to take this late night stroll, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to veto this one. I'm going to call veto because it's dangerous. Right. Which two degree would give me in that particular scenario a degree of authority? If she said, I don't want to listen to you, Andrew. It doesn't give you authority. I, if she says, I don't want to listen to you, Andrew. I want to go on that walk. Then what can I do? I say, well, then I. Then you I don't hope, have authority. I, then I hope I wish you the best, I mean, my love. Then you don't have authority. Cool. Then it's a semantic argument. Not really. I think it it's is. It's the complete opposite of what you said you had, which no. was authority. No problem, Piers. No problem. <laughs> That's I think, one of I think my favorite things that he does, by the way, throughout the day. He's like, no problem. Of course, it's a semantics argument because Pierce Morgan is saying that authority means that it's non-consensual and authority means that it's oppressive and authority means that you're dictating what somebody does regardless of what their wishes are. And he's saying, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the woman gives authority to the man. Guys can't do this stuff unless the woman says, yes, I want you to do it, unless they're an abuser. He's not advocating for anyone to be an abuser. So, of course, this is a difference of semantics. And the reason that Pierce Morgan got stuck on it again is because he's stuck in a 2022 mindset where those dynamics of a man having some degree of authority that the woman has provided him can't possibly exist. A woman couldn't possibly want that. Well... I talk to women every day who say, yes, I have no problem with that because I have expectations of my man. And in order to fulfill those expectations, I am willing to relinquish X, Y, and Z. That's part of the dynamic that they have in their marriage and that they're okay with. So who is Pierce to say that's not the case? It's absurd. One thing I will say, though, about this that I think is really, really important. when If you listened to Andrew Tate on that point, talk about, oh, if I sit down as a couple, and I know more about X, and my wife knows more about Y. Maybe I'm more of an expert on this, and so we follow what I say on this, and then she's more of an expert on that, and I follow what she says on that. That sounds very similar to what someone else has been saying. That person would be me. 
Okay. Now, when I said that stuff and I said that's how I define a partnership, not that it's not a marriage, but that there is a meeting of two people who, you know, meeting of the minds and it's more of this decision making process that happens together. I got a lot of heat from some people in the manosphere who I believe have misinterpreted what Andrew Tate stands for. So I think Andrew is in a position of power and influence. I think he has a big microphone. I think he has a lot of people listening. I do believe that a lot of his content was chopped up in a way that doesn't really showcase how he feels about things. I do believe that that long format content exists out there for those who want to watch it. But I also know we're in a society where people have slim to no attention span. So the reality is there are going to be guys out there who absorb that smaller content and believe that that's what he represents. So I would encourage you to listen again to that part in your own time of what he's saying, because I think it's important. And that's not necessarily what you would think that he would say if you watch some of that shorter content. But you can still be in a position of authority in your house, granted to you by the woman saying, yes, this is important to me and I defer this to you. And you can still have that guy sit and say, well, babe, you know more about this, what do you think? It can still feel like, I know the dreaded word, a partnership. It can still feel like that even though you have a man of the house. That's what I'm saying. That's what I believe he was saying here. So interesting interpretation um, that some have made. And, and believe me, I get heat sometimes when I say stuff like this. I'll have people in the manosphere, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 because I think a lot of those individuals also absorbed the short form content. So I would just encourage you, if you have a perception of what he, this person stands for, and this is your model, and let's be honest, some people have made, the, Andrew Tate has become the model for some men. Just make sure you're watching that long form content because I think there are a lot of explanations and caveats that happen that are really, really important for impressionable minds that don't have the attention span and do absorb like clip, 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 end of story. Okay, let's talk about depression. Let's get controversial. Who, you, Jed? Never. Let's talk about depression. I just, Tyler's like, why do you have these conversations with yourself? No one's talking to you. This is what podcast hosts do, Tyler. It's okay. I do it all the time. I've just, I have been eyeing this top comment that says, "Yes, Piers, do you breathe air? Yes. Well, so did Hitler. <laughs> such a good on. summation. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to that on the Alex Jones stuff. It gets really, I mean, you know, sometimes. It's a great comment. We'll get to it. Depression. Um, they have a full discussion about depression. That's fascinating. Let's go to that first clip. The thousands no of people, thing. the thousands of people who have emailed me saying, my doctor told me I was clinically depressed and it's a disease that I have got in my brain and I can't be fixed. And I started listening to you and I realized that that's not the case and I can fix my own life and you're the only person who has you, ever helped me. Oh, Andrew. Thousands of people have Andrew, emailed me that exact think, email. If you think you are single-handedly curing people of clinical depression, you are living in cloud cuckoo land. I am reading the emails of people who I have cured of clinical depression. You're reading emails from people who have believed you when they, you say there isn't such a thing and they've probably never been diagnosed clinical depressed. They just want to go along with what Andrew Tate says. Okay. So how does Pierce Morgan know that? What a ridiculous point to make. How do you know that the people who emailed Andrew Tate didn't, weren't diagnosed with clinical depression by a doctor? How do you know that? How do you know they had some infatuation with him? And they, How do you know all of that? It's an awful lot of assumptions. Also, I didn't hear him say single-handedly. I didn't hear him say single-handedly because the way I interpreted what he says is that he encourages people to go to the gym, to get fit, go get that six-pack. Uh, I don't know what else he talks about. Maybe he talks about food. Maybe he doesn't. But obviously, it's not Andrew Tate coming down like a god and saying, you're cured. It's him offering advice that then that person has to follow and empower themselves to make changes. So if that person doesn't go to the gym, doesn't lift the weights, doesn't get the endorphins running, doesn't make changes in their lifestyle, it's not going to happen. It's not like it's, it's ridiculous. So there, of course, the whole nature of the message is a message of self-empowerment. You can have a messenger inspire you to do that, but ultimately you're doing the work. Andrew Tate's not doing the work for somebody else. He knows that. He doesn't want to do the work for you, and he doesn't think he should do the work for you. That is the whole point of the message. That is the whole point of the message. Hello. Okay. Let's carry on about depression. This is fascinating uh, exchange. And by the way, by the way, exposes some of the distinctions between a society that absorbs what the medical establishment or the system says without question and those who question. Let's listen. Massively overdiagnosed. 
I've already said that PTSD is a very real thing. I've already said... I didn't... That. No, hang on. Okay. Again, you're misquoting me. I, I did not say clinical depression is massively overdiagnosed. I said that people who claim to be depressed but don't have clinical depression, I think that is massively overblown, right? In other words, there are a lot of people who just have a bad day yeah. and declare, I've got depression. Yeah. And I, I say, well, have you been to a doctor? Have you been clinically diagnosed? If you have and you have clinical depression, that's one thing. But if you haven't, we could probably work on some mental strength and resilience skills with you. But a, a clinically depressed person has a, a absolutely proven medical condition that is beyond their control. Not according to me and many others, my friend. Well, okay, so this is a, this is a difference in worldview. That's all. But it's fascinating to me to listen to Pierce Morgan. So what he's saying there is that if you go to a medical doctor and you complain about X, Y, and Z, and you have symptoms, and that medical doctor decides, yes, you have clinical depression, that you have it. End of story. So that physician is the be-all and end-all of everything. Interesting. You know how many medical doctors, by the way, when you walk in and you talk about feeling depressed, don't ask you things like, did you exercise this week? What did you eat? What are you consuming on a daily basis? Do you get sunlight? How much blue light exposure do you get in a day? How many hours of sleep do you get? How much stress is in your life? What's going on stress-wise? Are you in a relationship? Is it a healthy one? What's going on with that? Where do you live? Are you in a, a, a heavily polluted area? Like, what is your exposure to chemical toxins? None of those questions get asked. None of those potentially heavily contributing factors to how you feel get asked. But instead, you get handed a prescription. Oh, you feel depressed? Oh, it must be something that you have absolutely no control over at all in any respect. Here's some medication. How many? So is that what everyone is just supposed to sign up for and trust? Now, there are people who will trust that. That's up to you. I'm all for freedom. You may love that dynamic of don't ask a lot of questions, just hand medication. Great. Freedom, you do what you want. I prefer a dynamic where people look at your life, and I'm not saying, by the way, that clinical depression doesn't exist, and I'm not saying that there aren't depressed people, because I believe that there are people who feel depressed. Absolutely. However, I also believe that there very well may be components in your own life that are contributing to that over which you have control. You have control over things. You have control over what you eat. You have control over how much sunlight you get. You have control over most of the list that I just described. So why is that controversial? And why should somebody walk into a doctor's office who may not have an interest in any of those other things and simply accept their diagnosis and their medication? Well, there's a lot of people that just won't. So Andrew Tate is entitled to his opinion. You don't have to agree with it again. But by the way, the people who do believe in all those contributing factors and do believe that you have some control over how you feel to a degree will find it incredibly dangerous for the doctor to just hand out that medication. So when you throw out words like, oh, that's dangerous or this is dangerous, just make sure a lot of people feel like it goes both ways. So I thought this was a really interesting exchange because Pierce Morgan seems to be representative in large part of the way the system operates. And you can see his tweets, that's why I brought them up about the COVID vaccine. We all knew that the vaccine didn't stop transmission and that you had these little robots out here talking about you know, mandates, mandates, mandates. Why? There was no scientific justification for it whatsoever. And yet they parroted it. There were other people who questioned that, who wanted people to have the freedom to make the decisions for themselves and saw that there was no scientific justification for a mandate. So you're looking at a society where you have different types of people. And it's fascinating to me, fascinating to me as someone who doesn't ascribe to the go to the doctor, get your medication, assume that you're, everything is completely out of your control paradigm, that there are people who still support that completely within their right. But be careful about labeling somebody else as dangerous because that can be awfully dangerous as well. Medication without explanation, treating symptoms without figuring out root cause, also incredibly dangerous. Okay, let's just hear his explanation on uh, the final explanation on depression before we move on at 54. 54. Yeah, isn't that where we are? No, I went to 102. Oh, what do you have to 54 to 54.30. Okay. Tyler gets a D, just saying. 
No, because you're you saying... You hate being misquoted. No, you're saying if people have clinical depression... That I they have, they have nothing a disease. to do about it. They go to a doctor and they get diagnosed cool. and they get help. Then I would argue the point that if it's somebody... It's the opposite of what you just said I said. I would argue the point that if somebody has depression of any kind, whether it's clinical, whether it exists or not, whether they feel mm. depressed or not, whatever, that taking control of their life, taking personal responsibility and working hard is always going to be the positive, best thing they can possibly do for their life going forward. How positive is around it? Them. How... So sitting here saying, I don't believe in clinical depression, you don't believe in depression. No, I don't. I believe that people can take control and fight against things. Right. I believe in personal sovereignty. Right. Okay, so what's dangerous about what he's saying? You don't have to agree with it. You may be bothered. Oh, he said there's no such thing as depression. I don't feel that. I just told you I do believe that clinical depression exists, depression exists, but I believe there are a number of factors that traditional medicine doctors don't take into account. And oftentimes when those things are tweaked, maybe you don't feel depressed. That's my opinion. I don't care if people don't like it. I don't care. Why is this guy not entitled to just say, no, his opinion is a danger to society. Oh, it wasn't a danger to society to, su to suggest that unvaccinated people should be locked out of restaurants, clubs, footballs, gyms, jobs, et cetera. Beers, Morgan, come on. Come on with this nonsense. Or do you just not like his opinion and want him to apologize for it and bow down at the altar of the system? Let's be honest. Okay. Side note on this before we get to the Alex Jones part. This I found, I mean, bordering on the insane, what was said. But I just want to address one thing. There is an epidemic of victimhood that exists right now that Andrew Tate is trying to say enough. Not just Andrew, but a bunch of people. I am so tired of people who pick up the phone and call me and say, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good today. And then when I say... Well, what did you eat today? Did you exercise? Oh, I don't want to talk about, I don't, I don't. They don't want to talk about anything that they can actually do to fix it. They want somebody else to fix the problem. They want me magically on the phone to be like, oh, done, you're healed. They don't want to put in the work toward anything, whether it's getting out of the job they're in, whether it's getting healthy, whatever it may be. They don't want to put in the work. They just want to complain. I'm tired of people who complain all the time. I'm tired of it. If you're going to complain about something, you better damn well be ready to do something about it. You are a powerful person. You have control over so much that happens in your life. You have so much potential to feel good, to get that good job, to, to have a wonderful family, but you cannot be passive in your own fate. You cannot lay down and wait for somebody else to do the hard work that you need to do for yourself. So I am tired of it. And I do believe that a large component of what Tate is saying and others are saying is enough. You are responsible for your own fate. Stop blaming somebody else. Stop looking to somebody else for the solution. This is about you. And if you fail, it is on you. That is a good message and a much needed message in 2022 in this land of overgrown babies that we're living among. Okay. Let's get to Alex Jones, shall we? Then we're gonna get to the chat. So people in the chat, by the way, first of all, you gotta hit that like button. You gotta hit that subscribe button. You know, I need, I need you to show some love. I do a little dance when you do that. You're like, Jed, I don't know if I signed up for the dance. Are you getting it anyway? And get in the comments section because I'm going to be going to those super chats. Tyler, just wave me down if there's a super chat because, you know, I like a good rant. There is some in there? Uh, no, I'll keep an eye out. Okay, keep down. an eye out. Super chats, we love you. We want to get you involved. All right, Alex Jones. So uh, <laughs> Andrew Tate went on the Alex Jones podcast a bunch of times. Okay. Pierce Morgan really had a problem with this. So let's hear why. <clears throat> when I do a podcast... If you think I spend time analyzing the point of view that ever, that, of that person and everything they've ever said for years beforehand. <laughs> not years, it was minutes in years most Years and years. That's when did you last go on his Pierce, podcast? You trying to lump me in and attack me for a person whose podcast I do having a view is absolutely childish. Because, okay. because I've done a bunch of podcasts with so people. So you would do a podcast. I've done a bunch of podcasts with people who are advocating for things okay. that I do not agree with on every single level. In fact, most of my podcasts are me disagreeing with people. So it's completely crazy that you're trying to lump me in with that. That's, that's cheap. I think that's you, cheap. You are completely misconstruing the point of what I'm saying. Okay, and he I, goes on to say that Alex Jones is different because y'all know the Sandy Hook fiasco and Alex Jones got sued. And okay, I'm still I'm still having a hard time understanding why Andrew Tate can't go on his podcast. I don't understand that. The guy goes everywhere, right? We're gonna try and have him here. We're working on it. He goes everywhere, talks to people. Most of the videos that you look at when you look up Andrew Tate and the older stuff is stuff with him debating people on shows or people are horrified by him. He obviously doesn't care. He doesn't care, as it should be. 
I mean, that's like saying, well, should I not have gone on The View? Or should I? It's ridiculous. Who cares? Okay, you don't have to agree with Alex Jones. You don't have to agree with Alex Jones. You don't have to like Alex Jones. You can still go on there and, and say your piece and talk about how you feel and get asked questions and provide answers and have a discussion. How ridiculous is this? So that's like, oh, should nobody interview Alex Jones either? Should nobody? Oh, no, you're giving him a platform. I saw Steven Crowder had an interview with Alex Jones recently. And everyone was like, oh, my God. Maybe there are some interesting questions to be asked there. Maybe that's an interesting discussion to have. What's the problem? What are you so afraid of when it comes to people who see the world differently? What are you so afraid of? Why? You know, you have to excommunicate somebody and decide. Okay, let's say you decided Alex Jones was a horrible human being. Alex Jones is someone that you cannot stand. Alex Jones is someone you disagree with on everything. Okay, would still make for a great discussion then. Even better discussion for those two people to sit down and talk. Maybe the audience would learn something. Unbelievable. Okay, let's go to 103. This is my favorite. <laughs> Can't. With the points of view, with the majority of the people I do podcasts with. So it's a very cheap trick you're trying here. So when I don't people know invent vile things to make themselves rich off the back of families of little kids who've been blown to pieces with a machine gun or a semi-automatic version of a machine gun, I think that is actually a line I, would, I wouldn't cross. I wouldn't be happy to go on someone's podcast when they've been responsible oh, for doing that. Oh, well, isn't that? But Pierce Morgan, aren't you just... You just pat yourself on the back there. You wouldn't do it. You're above that. Well, congratulations. No one cares. No one cares. Great. You wouldn't do it. And you know what? That is 100% within your right to make that decision, to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I don't like what he has to say. I don't want to give him time. I feel like I'm promoting what he's doing. I'm not going to go on. Okay. End of story. Why is it? Why, why do you have an issue if somebody else goes on? I just don't understand this. I mean, honestly, as somebody who always believed that more conversation and more debate is better, I cannot imagine. I can tell you straight up right now, somebody like Fresh and Fit invites me on and I show up. That does not mean that I have endorsed everything that Fresh and Fit has said. It means that I know that would be a good discussion. I show up, we talk, we agree, we disagree, end of story. The idea that you can't go have a conversation with somebody because they said something outrageous, okay. That's the world you want to live in, Piers? I don't know, man. That's uh, not a world that, that I want to live in at all. Sounds kind of scary and dystopian, to be quite frank. All right. You want to go to the chat? couple super chats. Foxhound says, Piers wouldn't dare question Jordan Peterson about depression or the gender pay gap. Wonder why? Because he'd look even more silly. Had another one here. Uh, Derek gave five bucks. Said, Tate is unstoppable. Piers is just trying to stay relevant. He makes good points every once in a while, but so does everyone. What's interesting about the interview, too, is that Piers Morgan says a lot, I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm like, what What part exactly? I was like waiting for that part to come. We're going to get to the gender pay gap in a second. We covered the gender pay gap on here and how utterly ridiculous a lot of the talking points are, but that actually comes up in the section on feminism that we're going to get to in a second. So we'll get to that in a second. We good? Yeah, maybe it's me. I, yeah. I always want to give Piers Morgan the benefit of the doubt. I feel yeah. like he could be so good because he's a smart guy. He is a he's smart. He's a smart guy. He's eloquent. He makes good points. But it's like, dude, you got to try harder. This is the same guy who deceptively edited the Trump interview. Remember the first, yes. the first interview he did when he got signed to Fox was deceptively edit this Trump interview. Mm -hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. You're, <laughs> his numbers were exorbitantly high when he first started and after that interview they tanked because he does stuff like this he does stuff like this and he is you know he, he has the potential I think to be a really great interviewer I'm not saying I disagree with everything he says um, but there, there is this kind of gotcha weird edit um, it, it, it reads very old school CNN style. I don't know if he ever really got away from that show in a weird way. But also the reason I read the tweets was because I do believe that he is just, he's a statist. He, he fancies himself an independent. It's utterly ridiculous. But I think he just says that because he takes issue with Democrats and Republicans. But I don't even know what that word means anymore, independent, to be, to be perfectly honest. But he's a, he's a, he's a like, he's a big government guy. I mean, you can't endorse mandates and he's an anti-gun guy in many respects. He, he, that became his issue. In fact, that was the big issue. I remember him and Dana Lash going at it a, a, many times on guns. Um, so I, I just don't see him as this, you know, architect of freedom, so to speak, at all. And here you have a guy on who wants Andrew Tate, who's talking about build your own life and protect yourself and is a very pro-freedom message. So you had to anticipate a clash. 
I'm curious. I would love to ask Andrew what, what he thought he was doing going in there. And maybe he wanted just this because you don't expose the system unless you show up there and expose the system. So I'm curious if that was his motivation or if he really thought that they were more on the same page on stuff. I'm not sure how much research he does before he does these interviews. It'd be a great question to ask, and I will ask it. I will. Okay, on feminism. Let's get to that. It's fascinating. It provided for. I think that modern feminism ha is kind of hard for me to even truly understand. What do you think it means? What is feminism? I think that the idea of feminism is that men and women are equal uh, under the law. And do you believe that? Completely. They we should are, be treated we, completely equal. Yeah, but we are equal under the law. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, not really. I think there are still some issues in the world where, I mean, certainly in workplace, the gender pay gap remains. Uh, they're not treated equally in most cases, women. Well, that can be discussed, the gender pay gap. I think. <laughs> so you that's knew that was coming it. in. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. We broke down the gender pay gap, and we know that a lot of that gap exists because of the choices that women make, the different choices, and the amount of hours that they want to work, and the types of professions that they choose. We broke down that whole thing. So how ridiculous to bring that in. Um, interesting comment from him on feminism, though. And an interesting question to ask. It's, it's so interesting to me the way they ask Andrew Tate. Like, do, do you, and you'll hear another one coming up about you know women and working. Do you believe women should work? Comes up. Um, because there's this assumption that he's this authoritarian, you know, misogynist, and he wants to bring women back to, you know, 19, I don't know what, 100. Uh, so it's fascinating the way they conduct the interviews. Um, let's continue to play that one. Did we go to the end of that one? Did we uh, get the whole? No, yeah, go back. I'm sorry, I interrupted that. Sometimes I get a little hot. What could I say? Because I think that's where the women should work, or maybe in the other one. When they've been responsible for doing that. It's not about political views or differences of opinion over facts. It's about somebody deliberately inventing a pack of lies. Oh, that's to Alex Jones the one. Oh, okay. We missed that one. You can go actually. You know what, Tyler? Just go to 106.47. No worries. We got a lot of clips here, people. So we're bound to confuse one or two. Women are sovereign individuals and they can make any choice they so desire. I think that it's important that we remember that a man has a duty. I think I certainly in my relationship have a financial responsibility to provide for my woman. My woman would never have to work unless she wanted to because I'm the kind of person who works hard enough that should she wouldn't young have men, to. Should young men though all aspire to be like you? Should young men aspire to work very hard, have no criminal record, become multimillionaires, protect and provide for the women close to them, uh, be sovereign so they can stand up and have their own points of view in face of cancellation? be able to not be mentally intimidated when they go on national TV and there's traps set up for them. Yeah, I believe that confident, strong men who stand up and protect and provide for women are a good thing for the world and a good force for the world. And I don't Again, he's saying, I don't think women should have to work. Like in his situation, notice how he caveat, he said, in my situation, she wouldn't have to work, but she can work if she wants. And I actually want to go back, Tyler, and go to 105. I think I cut you off before, 105.07 to 105.40. I want to play that full clip. That's where I think he's asked about working. Let's go back and do that one. I think that modern feminism ha is kind of hard for me to even truly understand. What do you think it means? What is feminism? I think that the idea of feminism is that men and women are equal uh, under the law. And do you believe that? Completely. They we should are, be treated we, completely equal. Yeah, but we are equal under the law. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, not really. I think there are still some issues in the world where, I mean, certainly in workplace, the gender pay gap remains. Uh, they're not treated equally in most cases, women? Well, that can be discussed, the gender pay gap. I think that's already been discussed at length. I think that there's actually... You think women should go to work? I think women should work completely. You do? Why wouldn't they? Because in the parts of the country, that, of the world you were mentioning earlier, that have different views no. of women. Okay, so again, it's like, do you think women should work? I was, I was fully expecting the next question to be like, do you think women should be allowed out of the house? Like, you're really wondering, how do you really... I, I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. And he says yes, and then goes on in that other clip to say she wouldn't have to work if she was my woman because I believe that it's my job to pay for things and to provide. But of course, you're a sovereign individual. You can go out and work. There will be some controversy about that equality statement. You'll notice what he's saying because there's a lot of people in Manosphere that talk about how women, men and women aren't equal. He's talking about equality under the law, not saying we're equal as in we're the same, we're not the same. That often gets equal. Equality under the law is different than saying we're equal, okay? Because equal means that we're the same. Like on fitness, on this, we have the same potential to do X. We don't. We don't. 
We talk about how men are physically stronger and what that means. Uh, we, we can talk about all of those different components that make us not equal in some areas because just biologically, we were not made that way. Men and women are not equal in every area. We're not. You're not going to change that. You'd have to change biology to change that. It just doesn't work that way. But equality under the law is absolutely something that we have to endorse and protect, and that's what he's saying. So any controversy or confusion about that, I think, can be explained with what I just said. Um, and it's just interesting to me, this like, would you let them work or would you want them? It's just that people, their perception of him, and Pierce goes on to say that he did watch a lot of long form content. And I'm like, did you though? Because honestly, remember, I owned up and said when I first had, an, had a perception of this guy, I had watched a ton of short content and a few long form, but I didn't do enough research into him to really understand the disparity between the short form content and the long form content. That's on me, that's on me, right? So when I was listening to this, I was like, did you watch the long form content? Because I have a hard time believing that you would walk away and ask, would you want him to work? I mean, it's just not, it's just kind of funny once you've seen all the long form content, okay. Let's go to the last part, and then we're gonna go back to the chat. So people in the chat, now is your time. Weigh in, ask your questions, super chat. Don't forget, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Go hit it right now. Hit that like button right now if you wanna see more content like this. Let's get to the end. Now this last interaction, I have to say, was remarkable to me. I'm not gonna tell you why. Just listen to the interaction and tell me what it reminds you of. Just think about it. Okay, we're gonna go to 108.12, Tyler. Out and it offended you, I understand. Me I didn't say it offended Okay, me. cool. I just read you the things. You read things that you said they could be offensive and some people are offended. Well, some people definitely were offended. Absolutely, that's fine. And, and honestly, I think some of the things you said were <laughs> genuinely offensive and misogynist. Okay, so they offended you. I, like actually, I, so like I said earlier, so they offended you, no, which is on. fine. I said they offended you, you interrupted me, and now you're saying they offended you, which is fine. And the, <laughs> Okay. But the point- That's all I need. I laughed out loud because that really reminded me of any fight that you witness between a guy and his girlfriend. Did it not? Did it not? I'm not saying anything's going on between Pierce Borg and Andrew Tate, so don't even go there. But what I'm saying is that a male- female dynamic, a masculine feminine dynamic emerge for me there. How many times, I could see it with my own husband. I could see him being like, that offended you. And me being like, well, it didn't offend me. It, it was just offensive. It didn't offend me. And then talking and being like, well, actually it did offend me. Okay, so it did offend you now that we've established that. Think about the dynamic there. It was just such an interesting parallel to me of a very masculine energy juxtaposed with what Pierce was exhibiting in that moment as a very typically feminine reaction. Very, very interesting moment to me. So the bottom line for me as I watched this interview was, I was curious why he did the interview. And I think people ask me, you know, when I, when I planned to do this, I got a lot of messages because I worked on The View, do you think it's smart to do these? I do. I do think it's smart to do these. Um, I think that if you're going to do an interview with somebody that you that sees the world differently, where you think there may be a little bit of a trap or a little bit of, you must do them in person. You must do them in person and you must assure that they're not edited, okay? So it has to just be live. It has to be something that rolls out. And that's your way of having some control and autonomy over what gets said, meaning that what, what you say actually gets heard by the audience and not cropped up and whatever. It's very important to do these. You cannot expose some of this stuff without exposing it in their own realm. And these conversations are very important because big ideas win. Big ideas always win. Common sense comes out on top. Facts matter. And all of those things will always rise to the surface if you know how to handle yourself, if you're a good debater, and you're facing someone whose goal is to tear at some of that stuff. So you must, you must go into these spaces and stand tall and speak your mind. Um, and I, I, I think that people who, people who support Andrew Tate and people who are really familiar with his long form content watched this and felt and understood the importance of why he was there. Um, I also think Pierce Morgan made a few big mistakes in this interview by getting emotional. 
and by you know buying into what some of those short clips say and by caring so much about the emotions that people feel when they hear someone's content it's just we can't endorse this nation of babies anymore we really just can't and we have to build a society where you turn something on and you disagree and that's okay and you, you're not deflated by it, and you're not injured by it, and you don't feel the need to censor that person. You just pick your head up and you walk away and you say, I disagree. End of story. And it needs to start young. Parents, raise your kids to be the kind of people who aren't just deflated by dissent. We're gonna get back to the chat, Tyler. Got a few here, so let's go. We had uh, Soldier for God gave 10 bucks and said, uh, I repeat Ben Shapiro, quote, peers, you stand on the bones of the dead children of Sandy Hook as if they don't care about the kids if they disagree with you on anything. I uh, had another one. Uh, let's see. Jesus Diaz gave 20 bucks, said Jedediah Tyler. Is it possible that peers and others interview Tate intentionally in order to expose sanity to the mainstream? Uh, example, they want more men to find him and think like him because alpha males are endangered. Kind of like a reverse psychology. Mm. Uh, and Sharon gave 10 bucks. Said, As a mother of two amazing girls and sister to four brothers and ch a child of the 60s, I give thanks. Andrew is talking so much truth in this time of madness. Strong men now more than ever are needed. Yeah. As, as far as that Pierce question, I don't think he does it for that reason. I think Pierce Morgan is an inquisitive person by nature, which is a good thing. Um, I think he, I think that Andrew Tate has blown up. I mean, the guy is just everywhere, and I think it's he knows that people are going to watch, and it's a good interview, and it will be a good exchange. Um, he says at some point that he has, I don't know how many children he has, a few children, but I don't know how many are sons. He mentions sons that watch Andrew, so I think parents have a curiosity about this content because their children have been aware of it and absorbing it, and oftentimes absorbing the short-form content, which is out of context, and they want to dig into that to kind of get to the heart of who this guy really is. And I, you know, I felt that way when I first saw that first final message. I was like, okay, well, I'm looking at this short, these short clips and I'm looking at this final, who is this guy? Who is this guy really? He's an interesting figure. He, anyone who's had this, this big of an impact on culture in one way or another is an interesting figure. And I think there is some intrigue about what he really stands for. Um, and I, I think it's been very important for him to do content like this where he can clarify. And again, I would say to him, you have, he has acknowledged many times that when he made a lot of those videos, he wasn't as famous and now they're out there and you have to be conscious of what you say when you, when you have spotlights on you like this. That's all correct. I will say no matter what, you could get clipped today, tomorrow, and they can make you, you could be like someone that rescues cats from shelters and they'll make you out to be like somebody who kills cats if they want to. You know, they will twist and distort and edit and delete and combine. I mean, that can all still happen. But there is a degree of responsibility that comes with fame. Uh, I think he's owned up to that. And I think it's been truly fascinating to see him in these interviews um, and, and just see the juxtaposition of the two people. So I do believe that Pierce Morgan had an agenda to, to figure out who this guy really was. But I also think that he tends to, um, he agrees with some things, but the things he disagrees with, he really just, he wanted to rip in there. Um, and I just don't think that was accomplished. Um, I thought it was a fantastic exchange of ideas, and I do think these interviews are very important, though. Anything else in the chat? Yeah, there's one more that kind of touches on what you just said. Uh, I think this interview makes him look, uh, Tate, I think this interview makes him look good and not what people thought of him at first. Do you think after this he will be unbanned? No, I don't. I don't because I think that they need to, to make an example out of him. Um, I think they, they succeeded in doing that, and I think, again, I don't think that banning was for Tate. Tate's gonna go, he's on Rumble now, he's got a bunch of people watching him, he has his own website, people subscribe to content, they're getting his content. He's getting invited to do big interviews. Um, he did that long five hour interview with PBD, he did this interview, he's gonna do a bunch of podcast interviews, I'm sure. His message is not going to be compromised, but I think it that was created to send a message to the little guy. Again, I will always tell you the system targets the little guy who doesn't have the outside platform. They want to scare people into submission 
recognition. They want to scare people who make videos into saying, well, these topics are off limits. So as long as you don't touch those, you're safe. So then they want people to say, oh, well, I'm just going to stay safe. I'm not going to touch any of this stuff. And what that does is it limits debate, it limits discussion, it limits the free exchange of ideas, and it squashes free thinking people who then don't hear the other side and aren't exposed to, to a flood of ideas where they can then say, how do I really feel? And it creates stewards of the system. So the little guy will always be the target. And I think they needed to, to in this case, go after the big guy to send a message to the little guy. They're not going to walk that back. Um, and and I don't and I think that the thought police is is on full display everywhere right now. So I would just encourage people everywhere, when you see something like this, you can't get quiet. Don't stay safe in the safe topics. Say what you feel. Say what you feel and make your voice heard and stand by what you said and listen to what other people say with open ears and an open mind with the idea that maybe you'll be convinced of something, but fight like it's your last breath for that for that exchange of ideas and for the protection of those spaces where those ideas get exchanged. Because without that, what do we turn into? Really, what do we turn into? Oh, these are your approved topics. I mean, I mean, where are we going? The, the way of, of Animal Farm and Brave New World? Who wants to live in that? Not me, probably not you. So in order to not live in it, you have to not succumb to it. Um, and the way you don't succumb to it is you speak your mind the way that Andrew Tate did. Agree with him or not. Guy spoke his mind and he's still talking. I want to thank you all for being with us today. I The rest of the week is like a little weird schedule-wise, so I can't tell you when because I need to wait for some confirms. But we will be here. We do have some really good guests coming up. Um, and I'm grateful for your time as always. And I will see you back either tomorrow or Thursday. Just check my, check my Instagram. <laughs> I'll let you know. Subscribe. Like, love you, see you soon.